Charles didn't have just any coronary artery disease. He had Charles's coronary artery disease. Michelle didn't have just any heart attack. She had Michelle's heart attack. At VCU Health Poly Heart Center, we know every heart is unique. And as Virginia's only nationally ranked heart program, we'll keep them beating healthy and strong. VCU Health Poly Heart Center. Learn more at vcuhealth.org heart. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the WIM podcast. Women in Influencer Marketing, or WIM for short, is a first-of-its-kind exclusive networking group made up of inspirational women. This podcast is where we explore influencer marketing, advertising trends, and get real about women in business. Our mission is to network, to foster leaders within this exciting industry, and to share information to make our work stronger. That's where this podcast comes in. We'll bring you fresh perspectives on timely topics facing the industry from expert voices in the space. Find us wherever you download podcasts. And of course, you can always find us at IamWim.com. That's IamWim, double I, dot com. Today's episode is coming off of the heels of a super successful event that we had with Miss Katie Stoller and Miss Molly Tolis on Clubhouse. So Wim has been hosting a ton of rooms on there, experimenting like the rest of the world and finding so much success on it. And success to us equals great audience, great listenership, awesome insights being had and, you know, everyone leaving feeling like that was absolutely worth the last hour or two hours of my life. Um, Katie and Molly were so gracious enough to contribute their time to a panel that we hosted just last week. And after the heels of that conversation, I wanted to invite them on the podcast to have a more in-depth conversation with just the two of them. They both have a history together that they had worked together through a couple different companies, which they'll tell you all about on this episode. Um, It's such a pleasure always having women on who are like wildly articulate, humble, and knowledgeable at the same time. They bring such a wealth of information to the table, and um, they're also so fun to chat with. So I'm excited for you all to uh, to meet them. So welcome to the podcast, Katie and Molly. Um, so this is probably going to be one of my favorite episodes. And I already think that because I think the world of both of you. We recently had a clubhouse event with both of you and a couple other people. And it was so fun. Um, I also love a good podcast episode with like a group chat, um, because isn't it fun to just like chat with girlfriends about, you know, fun topics. So, um, Molly and Katie, welcome so much to the podcast. We're so excited to have you here. Um, I think that it's great to hear in your own words, how you like got to influencer marketing a little bit about your professional journeys. Um, so also the, the people listening have a frame of reference of, you know, who is this girl and, and, you know, why should I be listening? I know the reason. Um, uh, Katie, do you want to start and sort of introduce yourself to everyone listening? Yeah, I'm so excited to be here. This is so fun. Uh, I'm actually currently on maternity leave. So having a little chat with two of my girlfriends is exactly what I needed. So this is so great. So thanks, Jesse, for inviting us on. Um, so my journey through influencer marketing started really down the like traditional PR route. Um, I graduated in 2008 during like the horrible recession where no one was getting jobs. I, I went from Chicago to LA to kind of like figure out what I wanted to do with my life. I call it kind of like my gap year. Um, and there I started working at a boutique PR agency doing traditional PR. So pitching media, um, and getting kind of like interested in like where I was going to fall with PR. I was working in fashion, which was really fun in LA. Um, and a lot of what we did was celebrity gifting. I did like all the gifting suites at like the teen choice awards and all that kind of like, um, 2000 zeitgeist, you know, the Hills and Paris Hilton and all that kind of like world back then, which was so fun. I actually, my claim to fame is that I'm in an us weekly magazine with Kim Kardashian. Cause she came into shop at one of the stores that we represented. Dang Katie. That's impressive. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's kind of like a big deal, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, so that's kind of where I started. And then I ended up coming back to Chicago, going to grad school at DePaul, which has an amazing um, public relations and advertising master's program. And that kind of like connected me with the agent's world started at Ogilvy. Um, 
And I started in the corporate side. So I was doing B2B technology, finance, like the unsexy part of PR, but it's really kind of where I like got my writing chops together and media pitching and kind of the traditional side and then transitioned over to the brand marketing side. And from there, that was kind of when Instagram was becoming more popular um, and stuff was starting to get monetized on social media and influencers were really not a thing yet, but like bloggers were, and they were kind of like morphing into these influencer roles. Um, And then from there, went to catch them in 2017. So that's when things were really like more amped up on the influencer space at that point. Um, I mean, stories were actually like, I was just looking back, like stories were still like so brand new when I came to catch them, which is like so crazy to think about. Um, But that's really kind of like where the influencer part of my career like really ramped up. And now I sit on the influencer specialty practice at catch them. And we um, do all the influencer work across the entire agency for brands like Whirlpool, Maytag, we were working with General Mills for a long time, Kimberly Clark, really like big household names that are parent companies to like a bunch of other little brands, uh, not little, but like other brands that you've heard of, like Kleenex, um, Cottonelle, you know, big, huge brands actually that are in your your household. Um, and most recently, before I was on maternity leave, I was working on Ikea, which has was pretty much my favorite account I've ever worked on. It was so fun. Um, and I was working on an eyedrop brand for Alcon, which is like an eye company, an eye healthcare company, um, doing all their influencer work. So now I'm sort of in this like lull while I'm um, off of work, but I'm excited to go back and kind of see what um, brands I'll be working on in March when I go back. And, and, you know, to those of, to those listening who don't know, um, you're on maternity leave. Yeah. Yeah. So I have a two-year-old and I just had a baby in, in November. So I have my hands full. So if you hear weirdness in the background, that's what it is. <laughs> it's not about that. It's you're saying, you know, oh, I'm when I get back to work. So that's the reason why big life change, which is really exciting. And congratulations. Um, I, I think it's good to provide a little bit of, of color to that. So, um, so incredible story. It's really cool to hear like the variety of different brands that you work with, the variety of different companies, Um, I think that's why you bring such a wealth of information. So, um, Molly also, you do very similar, bring a huge wealth of information, but you also know Katie for a while, um, which is also why we wanted to bring both of you on because you guys are so familiar with and friendly with each other. So share a little bit about your story and your journey. Yeah, absolutely. I'm so excited to be here and definitely so excited to be having this conversation with you and, and with Katie, Katie and I. Um, go pretty far back, I guess, at this point, like probably five or six years. And we worked together on a lot of those clients, um, you know, every day. So we definitely have a lot of, you know, some of the same opinions and have a lot of uh, experience across different clients. So I actually kind of got into influencer marketing in a really funny kind of roundabout accidental way. So when I was in college, I was um, at Loyola University here in Chicago, and I was doing what I call like the communications holy trinity. So I was majoring in PR and then minoring in advertising and marketing. And for a senior project, I actually started blogging. I just needed a couple credits. I didn't want to take a full class. So I created a blog and started blogging as a way to just get some credits with like faculty supervision. Um, it ended up doing pretty well for a blog. This was back when like, you know, they were blogging not influencers. You know, we actually had like a website. It wasn't just all social. Um, and it actually ended up like working with Nike and working with Sephora. And I like flew out and covered some New York fashion week stuff. So, um, that was all kind of during my undergrad. And then when I graduated, I ended up going to Ogilvy and Mather and there I was working on SC Johnson, primarily doing social, but this was right when brands were starting to like, uh, you know, monetize and like influencers are becoming a thing. And they were like, wow, we really got to get on this train. This is not going away. So, um, I was working on SC Johnson and, you know, they, I kind of got pulled in to start looking at influencer plans just because they were like, Hey, you blog, do you kind of know what this world is? Like we need your help editing these captions. So kind of got into it that way. And then from Ogilvy and Mather, uh, where I met Katie and then Katie went to catch them. And then I followed Katie to catch them and worked there exclusively pretty much on the influencer practice. So covered everything from campaign strategy and ideation all the way through to campaign management, execution, casting, recap decks, all that good stuff and worked on some of the same clients as Katie. So lots of pretty big CPG brands. So 
J.M. Smucker. I did tons with coffee. So like Folgers, Cafe Bustello, McCafe at Home, Dunkin' Donuts. Um, I did Jameson Whiskey, which was a really fun one. Did some stuff with Whirlpool and Maytag, um, Kimberly Clark as well. Um, and then a lot of cookware. So all clad groups, Seb, T-Fell, some pretty big consumer cookware brands. I was there for about two years, did a lot of influencer work with them. Um, and then I actually went in-house and I went to Wilson Sporting Goods and I was the global influencer strategist for Wilson Sporting Goods tennis division. So um, for everything tennis at Wilson Sporting Goods, um, I was basically the global influencer strategist. So I overseed all of our country markets, um, created our international influencer strategy, um, you know, didn't get to meet Roger Federer, but that's okay. <laughs> um, and was able to do a lot of really fun stuff, um, traveling out to California for Indian Wells tennis tournaments and stuff like that. Um, currently, I'm getting my master's in marketing from King's College London, and, and I'm transitioning a little bit to brand marketing, but um, definitely go to sleep dreaming of captions and, you know, finishing sentences with hashtags Vaughn in my head. So um, I'm super excited to be here. I still think influencer marketing is one of the most exciting spots to be in. I guess lecture at DePaul and Loyola University on influencer marketing about once a semester. So it's just one of my favorite topics. And I'm so looking forward to having this chat with you and Katie. I mean, that's, I don't even know where to begin, to be honest. Like, I, <laughs> like in such a good way, I, I think that, you know, I'm so happy to have you both on here today. I can't emphasize it enough. Um, both of your backgrounds. I mean, I don't know. I think that it's incredible where you've come from, but also where you are. And I just appreciate the, um, just the, the perspective. Um, and I also don't want to like lump you guys in just together, just because you've been at the same, um, companies, which is why I invited you both on. I want each of your perspectives. They know you each bring something really unique to the table. Um, so where to even start? I, I think a great place, uh, to start, uh, for funsies is I always like to get to know you guys also a little bit more personally, right? It's so great to hear your professional history and even like coming on this podcast, podcast where the assumption is like, okay, like these women are credible. Um, seeing your resume, we're like, all right, like these women know what they're talking about, but I also think it's, it's fun and, and important to just get to know a little bit more about you as individuals. So, um, I'm going to ask you some rapid fire, fun questions, um, to each of you and, um, don't think too much about it. Just answer what comes fastest to your mind. Are you, are you both ready? I'm so ready. Amazing. Okay. I'm going to ask you both individually. So you each know, uh, when to answer. Um, so I'll start with Molly. <laughs> so Molly, <laughs> um, the best age to be. Ooh, I'm going to say current age 27. You are only 20. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. That's like a whole other conversation. You're only 27. <laughs> Holy shit. I just literally going to say 27. That's like scary. I literally was going to say 27. really. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah. You guys are we're on the same page today. <laughs> There's like a mind meld happening. Um, all right, Katie, uh, favorite color. I'm in new baby girl mode. So pink, my entire house is like, it looks like it threw up pink. Like everything's pink right now. <laughs> Molly favorite color. All black all day. Always. <laughs> Ooh, I love it. Those are such opposites. I'm into it. Um, uh, Katie favorite social platform clubhouse by far. I'm so addicted. It's, it's an addiction right now. Yes. Molly favorite social platform. TikTok. You go on to look at like 10 minutes of videos and the next thing, you know, it's like 3am. Oh my gosh. Kind of the same for each <laughs> clubhouse and TikTok. Ridiculously addictive. Um, best part of your job, Katie. Um, I'll try not to ramble, but just growing up in like the age of influencers back in the OG 2008 era of, you know, cupcakes and cashmere and all the OG bloggers, they, I felt like they were my friends. Like, I feel like I grew up with them. And now that it's evolved to like a totally new thing, I, I get to get paid to like work with these people is just so awesome. I love that. Uh, Molly, same question. What's the best part of your job? Yeah, I think my favorite thing hands down is bringing to life brand stories. I just think that it's such a fun and creative pursuit, but also takes like so much good thinking and strategy. It really brings together kind of right and left brain. And that's always one of my favorite things to get to recap and to know that we kind of really brought like a brand ethos to life is just so rewarding. I love that so much. Um, 
I would love to dive a little bit into each of your favorite social platforms, right? We're talking about uh, Clubhouse. We're talking about TikTok. Um, I don't know. Let's start with 2020's biggest platform and then we'll go to 2021's biggest platform. So let's start with TikTok and go into Clubhouse. Um, I would love to hear from each of you. Um, maybe Molly, if you want to start, because TikTok was your fave. You know, what, how are you seeing brands most maybe successfully integrate uh, with TikTokers these days? Absolutely. I think, and this goes for all social platforms. I think the brands that do the best job integrating are the brands who are not afraid to be early adopters. Um, you know, a lot of brands, I feel like really kind of like dip their toes in slowly and they want to only get involved once they're left behind. So I think when it comes to brands integrating on TikTok, I think some of the best people who have done it was definitely Chipotle. They were hands down one of the first brands I saw on TikTok and they created an audio. They had like a whole guac dance. They like made a trend. So I think when it comes to, you know, brands being able to make a statement on these new platforms, they have to not be afraid to kind of speak that platform's language. You know, like so many brands are kind of like, well, our ethos is, you know, maybe it's a little bit more stuffy or we're a bit more of a formal brand. Like, I don't think that we would sponsor a TikTok dance. It's like, okay, well, that's the kind of content that people are putting on TikTok. So your traditional idea of content probably isn't going to be a good fit. But brands who aren't afraid to find new ways to spread their message in a way that feels organic to the platform that it's on, because every platform has its own, you know, kind of language like Instagram, it's the glamour shots, Twitter, it's maybe snarky responses with TikTok. It was all of the dances. So Chipotle leaned in really early and like made a guac dance and like had a whole thing where they sponsored a couple of sounds and it was wildly successful and people were, you know, obviously Chipotle is already such, has such a fan base between millennials and Gen Zers, but. Time to take this submarine back up. Oh, but it's tax season up there, Captain. You know, all that stressing over taxes isn't necessary with Tax Act. How did you get. April here to remind you that with Tax Act, you're guaranteed your maximum refund while filing for less. Beats being submerged for another month. Hey, Captain. To your stations. We're headed home. Guess I should probably close that window I opened. What? Kidding. Switch to Tax Act today and start for free. See taxact.com for details. It just really kind of sealed the deal for me that they're doing a great job. And I think when a brand wants to integrate on a new platform, you have to make sure that you're speaking the language of that platform and you're speaking the language of your audience. Um, obviously, everyone saw the whole Dunkin' Donuts, Charlie situation where she like had her own drink there. So just not being afraid to, to kind of get in there with your audience and speak their language, I think is so key. As long as it's being done in a really authentic way, you know, that's how brands are going to shine on that platform. So here's a question that I have for you. So I I've witnessed very similar things. We've talked actually about, about like the Chipotle TikTok integrations, how they were so early on with like the flip top challenge and all that stuff. It was so cool to see. So here's my question. You know, you go at a new platform, let's say it's like, bring us back to like, you know, the beginning of TikTok time. Um, it's new and you're like, all right, I want to be an early adopter, but like the, the, the key of what I heard you say is that like, but you have to really lean into what it is. Like you have to do it right. You have to fully immerse yourself in it. Talk us through that process of like, you know, the junior people on the team versus the senior people on the team. Does everybody immerse themselves? Like, do you pick a few people who like, oh, I'm so into this. I'm just going to dive into TikTok. Like, how does that actually work on a practical level? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I've been really lucky that I've worked on really, really cross collaborative teams. Um, so, you know, even when there are people who are junior employees, they're assistant account executives or account coordinators, they're just starting out all the way up to VPs, you know, for the most part, luckily kind of working in an influencer and digital space, um, you know, those higher ups are still pretty plugged in, but let's be honest, nothing can be you know, a Gen Zer at knowing what the Gen Zs want to do. So I think in a really practical way for people who are just starting out their careers, you know, I've worked on really, really great teams who are 
they want those opinions, you know? So like I've been sitting in brainstorms and I've seen VPs like straight up ask the account coordinators, like, okay, what are you guys seeing? Like what's going on? What kind of trends? How should we do this? You know, do you guys think that this makes sense? Is this authentic? Um, I know I've been asked that at times, like just straight up, like, Hey, do you think this is going to work on Instagram? Cause my generation's platform was Instagram. So I've been asked about that a bunch of times. So I think when it comes to doing it authentically and leaning into the platform, it is always going to be cross collaborative because you're going to have VPs and senior employees who understand maybe the strategy or how this is going to need to come to life for a heritage client that they've had for a long time, but you're always going to need those new and fresh perspectives. Um, And luckily, you know, as I think, you know, a starter employee, a young employee are in a really cool position to be able to bring some of those ideas to the table. Um, And I've seen a lot of really great like intern success stories, people who started out as paid interns and then got job offers, you know, not too long after because they were, they did have their like kind of thumb on the pulse of, of everything going on and they contributed some of those ideas. So I would say, you know, if you're just starting out in an agency life or a brand life and, you know, you're, you're thinking about adopting all those platforms, like always share your ideas. And for people who are maybe mid or senior level, always make sure that you're still listening to them. Because even if you consider yourself to have a pretty good like pulse on the culture, like my college age sister is always going to be cooler than me. Like that's just kind of, you know, the way it is. So (laughs) I, I definitely texted her when TikTok first started and was like, Hey, what is TikTok? Why do I need it? And was like funneling her ideas into my, my brainstorms and at an agency. So, um, I just think it's so important to be cross collaborative and, you know, make sure you've got a pulse a bunch of, uh, across a bunch of different audience groups and you'll find a way to make that message really resonate authentically. Yeah. And that's such good. I mean, that is incredible advice. The thing is with that, I, the reason I'm curious is like, you know, if you've worked at an agency, especially some of the ones that you've worked at, I mean, these people have worked there for decades, I'm sure. And maybe naturally have established a little bit of an ego, right? I mean, you, you work your way up the ranks and sometimes that goes along with it. Um, but I, I agree with you that I think that like the, the special sauce, the reason the, the instances in which you see influencer marketing really working the best is it's really that cross section of old and new, not even old and new, but like experienced versus like a fresh set of eyes. Um, and, and, you know, definitely pushing that ego aside and just saying like, no man, this intern or this young person, whatever they are, this person who's just leaning into that platform, let's not even put an age to it. Like they have absolutely a huge amount of value to bring. And I hope that for anyone listening that is, you know, maybe on the more junior side, I hope that that's really inspiring to them to say, you know, I have a voice, I have absolutely some value to bring, but (laughs) the only like caveat to that, I'd love to hear your thoughts too, is like, I I also don't want too much ego on that side either being like, Oh, I'm the only young one here. And like, I'm the only one who like knows everything about TikTok or clubhouse or whatever. And, 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 at the same time, simultaneously respecting the other side and the amount of wisdom and experience they bring to the table. Like, do you agree that it's sort of like, it's a, it's a sweet spot of each side respecting the other and what they bring to the table? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you're never going to get anywhere, you know, as a, as a junior employee with a huge ego. Um, I'd like to say that you'd never get anywhere with a huge ego, but you know, sometimes that's not always the case. Um, but I think there's really a sweet spot of understanding that, you know, you do have something really, really valuable to bring to the table and just using that to kind of like almost fight imposter syndrome because like I had imposter syndrome for like the first two years of my career and in agencies, I was like, well, oh my God, I'm fresh out of school. Who am I to be working at these crazy agencies with all these amazing people? But just um, knowing that, that you do bring some value to the table is so important, but you also have to balance that out with knowing like, but this is what's bringing me to the table. I have this value. I have this great POV. Now that I'm here, what can I learn from all of the people who have been here for a decade, two decades, three decades? So it's a really important sweet spot of a balance when you're kind of this like a junior level entry, like agency level employee of knowing like, hey, you know, like there's definitely stuff I can bring to the table and I can definitely like say my piece and bring a lot of value, but also always make sure that you've got your learning cap on because you're going to learn so much from the people who've been there for 
so much longer. And those like mid and senior level employees know so much because, you know, they're going to be able to tell you like, okay, great. That's awesome. Now we have this insight to this platform, but here's what the brief needs to look like. Here's how we have to tell this client. Have you thought about how we're going to track the analytics on this platform? You know, they're going to add so much color to the context that you have. It's really important to to have that balance between not having imposter syndrome, knowing you're bringing a a very distinct value, but also understanding that you are going to learn so much from everybody else there. And everybody's going to learn from everybody. Like, isn't that the key that that is what it is. Like just, you know, I I've said so many times, I'm like, if I am learning something new every day of the rest of my life, I'll be living the most fulfilled life. I mean, it's just like a curiosity, a desire to continue learning. I was talking to somebody just the other day and I was like, you know, like just like being technologically savvy has nothing to do with age anymore at all. It is just a curiosity. I mean, there's like a new social platform, a new piece of technology that comes out all the time. Um, and it's like, sure. Like it can give you a a leg up if you were, if you grew up with that, you know, and sort of were immersed in that from the beginning, but like, like we're talking about clubhouse, everyone's learning clubhouse as we go. It just takes a curiosity. And I, I love that. I'd love to hear from both of you though, Katie, cause I, I feel like you definitely have perspective in this as well. Like I, I think it's so valuable here, like actionable, like I can like hacks or like tips and tricks or like what you've actually seen on a day-to-day basis of like how, especially in a work from home situation where everybody is remote and perhaps feeling a little less connected than, than they had prior. I'd love to hear from you, Katie, like in this collaborative sort of environment that we're, we're trying to cultivate here and talking about, like, what are some ways that you've seen that it's most effective considering the work from home situation that we're all in right now? I loved what you said about like the secret sauce of PR and, and agencies, because it's so true. It's like so much of PR is like a little bit antiquated. Like when you think about what PR is, like a lot of our really big clients, they pay us to get press and like, what is press? Like, like five years ago, you know, they were all clawing over the, over getting on the front page of the New York Times. Like, is that as important as like having a sponsored room in Clubhouse today? Like, I mean, it's evolving so fast, like you're saying. So it's, you know, there really is this like delicate balance between the old school PR, um, you know, actions that we took for our clients and then what's happening like exactly right now at this very moment, because things are changing so fast. And I think like the really, um, smart account directors and like the more senior people at the agencies get that and they they're open to learning about TikTok and they're open to learning about you know new emerging trends but there definitely are people at the agency that are like we're gonna write a press release we're gonna put it on the wire like we're gonna you know do a grand opening in person like they just like that's what they're used to they're used to doing kind of this like old formula that worked in 1995 or whatever for them so I think it's important to like, you know, especially as an agent, agency person to be as well-rounded as you can. And I think to Molly's point, it's a really like interesting thing that I think junior people and, and new grads can talk about in interviews is, you know, what their social f- footprint looks like and, and are they early adopters and, you know, beyond just being on TikTok for, for the fun of it, which we all are, but like, what, what do you see brands doing on it? What do you see TikTok will be like in a year, in two years, in five years? Like if you can talk about that stuff, I think you're showing your value um, to an agency because, you know, to your point, there are a lot of people that have been there for a really long time that might be older, that might not be kind of as clued into all the new emerging trends. Totally. And so like, if you establish the dream team, right, where you have the perfect mix of like old, new, like fresh eyes, more experienced eyes, um, what are, you know, I, you and I have spoken individually about that. You love the topic of just like work life balance during work from home, like ways to be efficient with your time, just like the realities of like what we are living in. So I would, I'd love to hear like, what tools are you using to stay connected with people? What tools are you using to implement in your life about like balance? Like how are you being most efficient with your work time? And then how are you setting boundaries to have personal time? 
Yeah. So, well, so I've always worked from home for the last, like for over a year since way before COVID. Um, when I moved from the city to the suburbs, I decided to go remote and catch up is very flexible with that, which has been awesome. So, um, so the transition with all the COVID stuff for me, wasn't that big of a deal. Cause I had like my little office set up and I was, I'm very comfortable being kind of like by myself. I think it's the only child in me. I've always been very like good on my own and independent. Um, when it comes to work stuff, I mean, I do love the face to face and I do miss like in-person brainstorms, like at these big creative agencies, like our bread and butter is getting a bunch of people into a room with a whiteboard and just like throwing ideas on the wall. Um, so that I really miss, like we try and do, uh, we do IM storms and then obviously tons of zoom meetings all day long, but, uh, but it is hard and it's hard, especially like on our clients too, who are used to coming in once a month and seeing their team in person, like they're spending a ton of money on these global consultancy um, agencies and to like have us all be like in separate places at home. I think it, you know, sometimes gets a little chaotic, but I mean, for me personally, I'm a big list person. I, everything that I have to do for a day, including personal, you know, stuff that my husband and I have going on, stuff that me and my kids have going on, stuff that just me myself has going on, mixed in with all my work stuff, you know, getting it all on paper so that I'm not using my memory and using that brain power all day to remember what's happening. Um, And then just, you know, being, we're, my team is like around 15 people and we all kind of work on our own stuff. Like we're all almost, I almost like say we're like little mini entrepreneurs within the agency because we're all on separate work at different times. And we're, our job is to execute influencer work, but it's also to like sell in plus up work. So like if I'm working on Ikea, which was my big brand that I was working on, um, you know, the accounting will come to me and they'll say like, we want to do, we want to launch a new uh, furniture line or whatever. And we're going to do an influencer program. We have $50,000. We want to work with maybe like say five influencers go, you know, like go do that. So I'll do that. But then my job is to be like, you know what, if we can have $10,000 more and we can put a little bit of paid money behind it, we can get X amount more eyeballs. You know, hypothetical, obviously, but you know, so we on, we do sort of act like many entrepreneurs in the sense that we're trying to, you know, get the most bang for our clients buck and try and, you know, sell them on things that they might have not have thought of. Like maybe they never have even heard of Clubhouse. So we're trying to, you know, introduce them to that. Like we're trying to really be like that on the forefront of everything for our clients to get them, you know, the best program as we possibly can. So I sort of feel like I sometimes operate a little bit as an entrepreneur because even though I'm part of this big organization, it's really on me to make sure that all my work is done and that I'm really taking all my client work to the next level. Um, but yeah, from a tactical perspective, I, I'm I'm sort of naturally just really organized. Like it's just it's how I how I thrive. I don't do well with like chaos. <laughs> um, I'm not someone that's like a last minute person. Like I do things like as they come in, very like ritualistically. So um, the work from home thing for me has been kind of like an easy transition, I guess, but I do, I, I, I am excited for the day that I can step back into one of those high rises in the city and see people in person. Cause it's been a very long time. For sure. I mean, look, like some people are naturally inclined to like their type A's, right? They're like organized, like list building. Um, and some of us, and some of us have to learn from people like you who are maybe more naturally inclined to it. Like, are I want to get specific. Like, are you literally, are you a paper and pen or paper and pencil person? Are you making, are you using like the Evernotes of the world? Like what tools are you using to keep yourself organized? So for life, I'm a paper person. I actually have my little um, paper source planner. I get the same one every single year, which is like very OCD of me. Um, but I, I have a calendar view. I don't do the one where it's like by the week. I have to see the whole month. That's a weird like thing that I have. Um, and in it is everything. And I write it all down. I'm like, I literally carry this planner around with me, like around my house even. Um, and my mom will be like, Hey, can I come over Saturday? And I'll be like, let me check my planner. Like I'm that like obsessed with it. I think part of it is just that I have a bad memory. So if I don't write it down, it like doesn't happen. Uh, so that's my life. But for work, I'm huge on Google Docs, which is actually kind of a no-no. They, the agency would probably be mad if they heard me saying that. But um, I, I just think it's so easy, Google Docs. It's so easy to just pull up your browser, type in like a word, and the doc pops up, and you can share it, and you can 
PDF it and you can, you know, manipulate it. I can send a link to my teams and they can add to it. So I just, I'm obsessed. I'm a big Google doc fan. Um, but some, some of the brands that we work on, like prefer us to use other software, like they'll have a software, um, like an internal software we use a lot. We're starting to migrate more so over to Microsoft teams, which I know a lot of big companies are. And so far I like it. I'm not as good at it just cause I haven't been using it as long. Um, but I know that there is a lot of features very similar to Google docs, but, um, I'm, I, my team actually makes fun of me because of how many Google docs I have open. Like some people on my team are just really good at kind of like they're working with five people. They have conversations going in email, um, and they kind of just like know where things are at. I literally put conversation timestamps into my Google Docs. I'll be like, I emailed this influencer at 2 p.m. on Monday because I'm nuts and it just helps me. <laughs> uh, no, that's so good. I am so into Google, just like the Google suite. I mean, it feels like old school, but it's so tried and true. It's Google. Like, come on. Like, it's just so reliable. It's just like, there's a sim, a beautiful part of its simplicity even, and just how functional it is. So, um, I love that. I would recommend Evernote. I, if you're, especially if you're into notes, I mean, I totally appreciate though, like wanting to write it down, but I will tell you, I recently get like gave Evernote a try having had experienced it, um, or heard about it, I should say. Um, I really like Evernote. Um, but I don't know. I'm always into like the actual tools that we're all using. Cause I, I feel like that is such an important thing to share. Molly, are there any like, like tools, whether it's like Slack, Evernote, like Google drive, like, I don't know. What are some of your favorites these days? I think it's so good to share. Yes. I feel very strongly about this. <laughs> So I would agree with Katie. I mean, she's also like the tracker queen. I feel like every time I was on a team with Katie, like we were always on track because of her Google drive skills. Um, so I'm a big fan of Google drive. However, I used Evernote in college, which was great, but my new favorite is notion. Um, N O T I O N. And it's basically like a database for your life. So you can make all of these different workspaces. Um, you can kind of custom everything to be like notepads or, um, like the Kaban boards. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. You can do like spread style sheets. You can do like pages within pages. Like it's the most incredible, like just note taking tool database. It's, and then it has like, it syncs up with Google drive. So you can like embed Google drives, you can upload PDFs, you can do links. Um, I'm obsessed with it. I literally pay for a premium version and I use it to organize my life. Um, I also use it for grad school. I'm in grad school now, and it is my absolute favorite tool out of anything I've ever used for like keeping organized and making trackers and like taking notes. It's so great. You can make all these different little like workspaces. Um, I'm very obsessed. So that's my current favorite. I recommend you check it out. Um, I don't have a promo code or anything, or I would give you one. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's so funny that you say that we ran like a fun, um, business recommendation, uh, uh, like fun questionnaire on our Instagram stories. And we asked, uh, the other day, like, what's your favorite overall business app or business tool. And someone said, no shit. I'd never heard of it before. So I definitely have to check that out. I've, I still haven't checked it out. Um, so that's so good to know. Um, and thank you. Cause I, I agree that you're, you're like, oh, I'm so passionate about sharing these things. I just, these are the things that like, you know, we just maybe take for granted, like they're incorporated into our everyday lives, but like a notion is a perfect example. You're, it sounds like you're like living by this program or by this site or whatever it is, I have to check it out. Um, and like, I've never heard of it until a day ago. So I think it's so important to share these tools and like what's working, what's not working. So, um, we could all just like be in the know. Um, so I now would love to dive in to clubhouse. Um, Katie, I, I feel like a lot of rooms that I'm in recently, you, I see you in the audience. So I, you, you were obviously as obsessed as I am. Um, I think like TikTok was the app of 2020 and like, let's be real. It's like still very much a thing, but clubhouse is so exciting in 2021. I have my very, I have, I very, I definitely have opinions about like the brand partnership side of Clubhouse. I feel like any new social platform, people are like, ooh, but like when are brands going to be on there? How are brands going to be on there? How are they going to monetize? Like this is a not like a 10 person 
team right now. It's very much still a startup. Um, Katie, I'd love to hear your thoughts because it sounds like you're talking to your brand partners and certainly people at your agency about Clubhouse. Like, what do you love? Where do you see it going? And like, how do you potentially see brands on there or do you? Oh my God, Clubhouse. I have so much to say. Okay. So <laughs> to your point about the brands, um, we, I actually got a call. So I'm on maternity leave as we've discussed, but I got a call the other day from someone on my team being like, um, we're doing a branded room. And I was like, whoa, whoa, hold the phone. Cause I didn't even know that that was like happening yet. And I can't give, obviously give any details about this client, but she was like, can you walk me through clubhouse? And I was like, do you have five hours? Because there's, it's, it, there's a lot to it. So I kind of gave her like a brief overview and I'm not exactly sure what the client is doing. Um, so I'm not exactly sure how it's working because like that, that's all news to me. But so that, so, so TBD on that, I guess we'll need, Jesse, we'll need to do a follow-up podcast once brands start going on there. From a personal perspective, I'm a little like scared of what's going to happen when this opens up to the public, since it is still kind of like in a beta mode right now. And I love it. I feel like I see the same people in rooms. I'm making amazing relationships and connections. And I'm a little bit worried for like the general public to kind of jump on board because it is so like industry focused right now. And I, I really like that. I feel like I found my people there. Um, like my friends that are like teachers and, you know, not kind of in the marketing industry are like, Oh, what's clubhouse. I want to, you know, or yeah, I want to get on it. Like, do you have an invite? And I'm kind of like, do I want you? on clubhouse? <laughs> like, like, I just, I'm not sure yet, like what it's going to look like, you know, people that aren't in specific industries are on their joining rooms. Um, I have seen a couple, I've, I've tried to join a couple rooms about like moms and like, you know, stuff that isn't related to like my work life. And they've been, they've been fine, but I feel like the most value that I've gotten out of it so far has been in the like influencer specific rooms or the marketing rooms or the PR rooms. Um, so that's kind of just like my like opinion about like where it's at in terms of the app itself. I, I think, you know, Molly instantly said, TikTok. She is an influencer herself. She gets brand deals. She, you know, started back in the day with the blog. So she, it makes sense that she loves TikTok. I love, you know, being a lurker on TikTok, but the chances of me recording myself, like singing and dancing on film is like basically a zero. That's just not my personality. I'm much more like I'm a shy person. So clubhouse is like perfect for me. I don't have to show my face. <laughs> I and building relationships with people that like make me feel comfortable in the rooms to come up and speak. It's just, it, it, it lends itself so well to more like introverted people that like a passive type of app where you're not, you know, pushing content into people's faces. Um, and I just also being on maternity leave and not um, having like day-to-day -day tasks for work. I'm still busy doing, you know, a ton of things, but I have the time to kind of sit back when I'm hanging out with the baby and just kind of turn on a room and be an observer from afar. And, you know, sometimes I'm not gaining any information. Sometimes I go into like influencer rooms and I'm like, I know all of this stuff or I'm like, is very much like embedded in my brain already. But every once in a while, like someone has just this nugget of information that I'm like, that is so brilliant. Or like, that is so inspiring. Um, I was in a room this morning and it was just women giving like morning affirmations and I was like, this is kind of cheesy. Like, I'm just going to pop in and see kind of like what they're talking about. And like every single woman that spoke, I almost like started crying. It was like, everyone just had these like amazing, inspiring things to say about, you know, it was just Valentine's Day this weekend and people were talking about like heartbreak and divorce and getting married. And just like, I was just so inspired just sitting in my bedroom floor, like covered and spit up. Like it's, I just, I'm, I'm so obsessed with it. I think it, is just such a brilliant idea for a certain type of person. I do think that, you know, general public, public people that aren't necessarily um, identifying as a certain type of like business industry might have a harder time kind of like getting as obsessed as I am. And I'm curious to kind of see where that goes. I don't know, Jesse, I'm curious of your opinions because I just blabbered. Yeah. We, well, first of all, we all have to do more clubhouse rooms together <laughs> because I love finding people that are equally obsessed. I was just talking in a clubhouse room the other day about, I was like, do you guys find that it seems to feel 
like a really comfortable app if you self-identify as a little bit more introverted. And everyone's like, oh my God, yes. <laughs> I I also like really have always gravitated towards listening to podcasts. And I find myself like I'm listening to slightly less podcasts now and I'm listening to more clubhouses. I mean, it's essentially an interactive podcast, right? Um, there's more to it, of course, but like if you could just like chalk it up in a few words, that's how I would describe it. I'm obsessed as well. I I do. The only thing I will add is like, uh, cause I find myself absolutely in a lot of those industry rooms, um, as well. And I'm, I, I'm excited. I hope that they add, um, a, a way to link your LinkedIn. Um, speaking of like industry and like business specific type uses, um, cause right now they only have Twitter and Instagram, and I would love for you to be able to link your LinkedIn as well. We were talking about that in a room the other day. Um, but I do see some rooms where you could totally use it for personal purposes, especially that we're also isolated right now. It's interesting. I initially gravitated much more to those larger rooms and then recently just started like, what are these more intimate, small rooms about? And I made such better connections and like they were much more impactful and like there, I don't know, there's, there's also an element of, you know, just shared interests and, um, and, and, and it's all algorithmic, right? Like, you know, you are obviously gravitating towards the business rooms and I am too. So my hallway or the people that I follow tend to be a lot of those people, but like branch out a little bit and like go into a mom's room or, you know, go and find people who talk about motherhood or whatever your hobbies are, whatever my hobbies are. And you'll, you'll actually see some of those rooms are pretty fun too. So, um, I think there is a, a place for everybody. Um, I also just think it's so cool. I love a good startup and like, uh, it's literally, they have 10 people and every Sunday they, if you go to the town halls, they talk about like, you know, Q and a from the community of like what features they want to add. And the two founders just sit there on clubhouse for a couple hours and talk about like their roadmap and where they want it to be. And I was in a room the other day with Bethany Frankel, who I'm obsessed with. Um, she's on there. It's also cool seeing like who's joining. And one of the co-founders was in the room and she was just like, Oh, Paul, you're in here. Co-founder. Like, can we bring you up to the stage? And then she started interviewing him. It was like, <laughs> it just, you feel like you have so much immediate access access to really incredible people. Like my background tends to like, I've always worked with talent. So like being in a ironically enough, being in a room with Bethany Frankel, even though I'm obsessed with her, it, it didn't feel like, Oh my God, Bethany Frankel's here, but bringing up the co-founder of this cool app. I was like, Oh, that is so cool. <laughs> like, what are your thoughts about like the people you've been meeting? And, um, again, like how do you think that brands coming into the equation, what will they do to what's already been created? Will that be a positive thing, a negative thing? Like, what are your thoughts on that too? I know. See, that's like, that's what I'm like having trouble with. Cause I just, I, I feel like the close knit community, even though there's like probably millions of people on it, you, you sort of like find your people, like you were saying, based on the rooms you follow and based on, you know, different things, different interests that you have and stuff, you sort of like migrate to like your people. So when it opens up to a broader population, I'm just like, I'm not sure how it's going to work. And like, they, they keep saying they're going to um, extend the limits of the room. Like I know Elon Musk was on a couple of weeks ago and I actually didn't make it to the room. I was too late and the room was full, but they're saying they're going to like extend the limits. But I'm like, do we want like 7,000, 8,000, 10,000, you know, a million people in a room? Like, is that going to kind of defeat the purpose of having a conversation? Like how do you have a conversation with a million people? Like that just doesn't seem like that's going to work. So I don't know. And, and then the branded side of it. So this is kind of what I was talking with my team about is we, you know, I think we just have to be really careful because right now people are using it as a genuine way to connect with people. If I'm going to, I'm looking at brands for okay, Apple. I just looked at my MacBook. If Apple comes on and is doing an Apple sponsored room about like technology in 2021. Like, yeah, that topic is, you know, still potentially going to be beneficial to people in the room, but like knowing that a brand is behind it, does it sort of like muddy the waters of, you know, do they have an ulterior motive? Are they promoting a new product? Like that's what I'm confused about right now. Is like, how are we going to 
is brands not be so self-promotional, people already call you out. Like if you get into a room and you're like, by the way, follow my website. Like people don't like that. Like it's, it's a very, you have to be very careful with how you promote yourself. Um, Jesse, I think you probably have experienced this because you've been in a bunch of rooms with me, but like, you know, there's definitely people that are on there that are going to gain followers and to get people to, you know, click over to Instagram and like them on Instagram. And I think that's okay if you're doing it out of an information sharing mentality and you're there to, you know, increase your tribe type of thing. But if you're going there simply to get followers, like it, it's very obvious. So I, I think brands are going to have to be very, very careful on TikTok. It's like, it's okay because, you know, you're creating, you're creating a visual piece of content that, you know, is fun and can be shared. And you're kind of like giving something to your audience. Whereas clubhouse, none of it's recorded. So it goes away. So like, what actually are, what kind of like benefit are you giving? And if you're hosting a sponsored room and you know, there's money involved, I just, I, I feel like it's, we're going to have to be very careful with how we roll out this monetization on the, on the app. And I haven't been in one of the um, founders town halls yet. I actually tried to get into one. I think it was yesterday and it, it was full, but I'm curious like what their thoughts are. I mean, I've heard a little bit of chatter about like that the conversations are happening, but I'm curious, like, you know, how it will work from a sponsorship advertisement perspective. So here's, so here's an interesting thought um, and a way that I think that it could work preliminarily as the state that it's in. And like, we all have to remind ourselves that like clubhouse is literally still in beta. Um, that is why it's invite only. They had no intentions of it being exclusive, which is how, of course it feels a little bit. Cause you have to get an invite to join, but, um, you, but like, it's literally in, in beta. So they need to make sure that they're like, their servers have been failing recently and they've been having issues because like, they're still in a start. They're still a startup. They're still developing the apps. They need to keep it small, but here's, here's a thought. Um, um, as in its current state, I actually think that it would be most interesting to hear from the people at the company or of course, like influencers, let's say, right. Like who like use it, but it, a sponsored room, like a sponsored room could be really interesting. Um, if you hear, like, let's say you talk about Apple, like, like let's hear from, you know, the current CEO of Apple, like let's hear from like somebody who just created a really cool program there or, you know, like from a member of that team. So it does feel a little bit more personal. Um, or maybe it's like, you know, uh, like, a, a it could feel a little voyeuristic and people like that too. Like what is a meeting about, you know, planning the next, you know, release of the iOS, you know, look like, like, I don't know, I'm just making this up, but like, that could be interesting or what clubhouse is doing, right. Where it's like, let's invite people up and like, you know, I'm Apple hosting a room. Like what feature would you like? Like, what do you like? What would you like? like what's it, just a Q and a, or an ask me anything or something like that. But like hearing from people in the company and, you know, we're talking about Apple. So like the Apple geniuses and how, you know, or he's our, here's another one, like a soul cycle. Like that's a great example of a company that really empowers its individuals to become their own sort of, um, thought leaders are their own, like little mini celebrities, um, you know, entrepreneurs within the company. Like, I think it would be interesting to sort of like highlight your employees and like have them speak very personally about where their expertise comes from and just like personalize it a little bit more. Cause I think that like, that's sort of what I'm hearing from you. And I agree, which is the danger is having it feel too sponsored, of course. And you, it's so hard to fake like enthusiasm in anything when all you have is your voice, right? Like on Instagram, like whatever, you could take a photo and like, look like you like the product and like you're hiding behind a keyboard and the caption. So like, you'll be able to make it sound like you like it or you're enthusiastic about it. But if you just have your voice, like it's gotta be really genuine. So I feel like that you either got to find people who are just that enthusiastic about it. Cause you just can't fake it. Or you just like turn it into more of like a, like an access thing. Like I was saying, like Q and a for the people there or like, 
I don't know. I don't know. I'm just like brainstorming things. Molly, what are your thoughts? Yeah. Well, I think that there's probably, I would be surprised if, I mean, we're definitely going to see brand sponsored talks in the future. Like whether that tanks the club's household culture, who's to say, but I think there's no way those talks aren't coming, but I also could see this going in a real podcast direction where people just or like the radio where people just play like pay to have audio ads. And at the start of a talk, if you're a really popular creator, you can run an ad and it's 30 seconds. It's an audio ad, just like on a podcast or on the radio. And then you jump into your talk and then the talk is completely authentic and, you know, is everything that we've come to love about clubhouse, but maybe there's an ad break and there's 30 seconds of audio from our sponsors or whatever. And then if people start seeing revenue from that. So I also don't think that like just straight up, like radio advertisements aren't out of the question for Clubhouse because it's an audio format. Um, And a lot of people would still get, you know, a really authentic talk out of that. So I think that's another format that ads are probably going to come in. Um, And, you know, people have really big Clubhouse followings, you know, they, they would probably be interested in monetizing that way too. And then they don't necessarily have to have a sponsored talk, but they could, you know, run pre-roll or like have a 30 second break in the middle of the talk or something and just, run an ad that is like somewhat relevant based on industry. So I'd be shocked if that doesn't roll out at some point. Cause I think that that might even come before like brand sponsored talks. Um, but who's to say, I know they are in such, such a beta mode right now. They're just worried on like making sure their servers can handle people. But I think that that's another way that people are definitely going to start monetizing is we're going to see the introduction of ads at some point. Cause you know, it didn't take TikTok too long. It didn't take Instagram too long. Like, you know, they've got to monetize somehow. So it'll happen eventually. Um, but just what that looks like, I think will be obviously really interesting for everyone to, to kind of keep an eye on. That makes total sense. I mean, podcasts do the same thing. Like if you upload your podcast, uh, through a certain network or what have you, um, you could have, you know, automatically have ads just dropped in. It makes so much sense, you know, but then that's a whole conversation of like, what's the most effective selling tool? Is it hearing from a third party who's just popping in and this new voice in the, in this conversation of like, buy this product. Okay. Back to your regularly scheduled program. Or is it hearing from the person itself. I hear podcast ads all the time where I'm like, this person's literally reading a script and I don't buy it. And it's so bad. Again, I think that's going to really be the key with clubhouse is like when it's not even if, when brands start to like infiltrate the app a bit more, um, it's finding those people who can really, really authentically sell something. Because again, like when you just have your voice, it's you can't fake it. (laughs) You just can't fake it. Look, I cannot believe that like the amount of time has passed already. I I could go on and chat with you ladies forever. I genuinely, we have to, um, have another clubhouse (laughs) talk together. Um, so we can, we can continue this conversation. Um, the first one was fantastic and I love hearing from both of you. We ask this last question of everybody who comes on the show. Um, and, uh, I don't know, why don't we start with Molly on this one? Cause I want to hear from both of you, of course. Um, what do you wish someone had told your younger self that would have given you a professional or a personal advantage today? Yeah, absolutely. I kind of going back to what we were saying at a different part in this conversation, I really wish that someone would have told me that even as an entry-level employee, like I did have something to bring to the table because like I said, I was so scared, um, at my first agency job at Ogilvy, like I was always afraid to like give an idea, even in a brainstorm, I like thought that all of my ideas would have to be like perfect. If I was going to be seen as like a smart, good employee, like I was so, I had such a bad case of imposter syndrome going into like such an established agency with so many other great employees. But, you know, before the end of my time there, like people were asking me questions about influencer marketing. And I kind of ended up being like, by circumstance, the expert on that topic, or at least the most expert person like on my team about that topic. So I think it just would have made me feel maybe not given me more of a professional edge per se, but I think it just would have made me feel more comfortable and more confident and therefore like more ready to bring forward ideas and and strategize. If someone had told me like when I was younger, Hey, you know, it, not everything has to be perfect. Like nobody is a hundred percent confident in everything they're saying all the time. Like, just don't be afraid to spitball. You have value. They hired you for a reason. Like, you know, your, your voice matters. Um, And I think we see that a lot in agencies, like even though especially PR agencies are dominated by women, 
um, I would still feel that like the few men that there were, were like getting so much farther in the agency just because like they never second guessed themselves. They just always like started talking and people listened, um, not to take it down, down that whole road, but I would just really encourage, um, younger, like entry-level employees and, and people who are just getting started in their careers. If I'd known this when I was younger, just like, Hey, go in there, be confident, like don't be cocky and know that you're there to learn, but like also understand that there's no need for imposter syndrome. You have a very valuable voice and and a very important POV to lend to your team uh, would have made a world of difference in the first few years of my career. That's for sure. hundred per hundred percent. And like, I don't know, we talk about the law of attraction a bit on this podcast and yeah. like how attract, uh, how attractive confidence is. And like, that is something, you know, we are women specific focused, you know, group here. So, you know, talk about the amount of attraction, you know, let's talk about professionally, of course, only right now. And just like that people are, are going to listen to you more. People are going to be intrigued by what you have to say. People are going to pay more attention if you bring a level of confidence. Um, look, it, like, let's be real. That's you know, maybe that's something that you wish someone had told your younger self and it's easier said than done. Right. Of course, like we've all been young and uh, like unconfident and, uh, you know, some of us are still that way. It's not even an age thing. Um, but like, I think it's hand in hand, it's confidence and like giving yourself permission. I love that Molly. That's so, so beneficial to hear. Um, Katie, what about you? What do you wish someone had told your younger self that would have given you a a personal or a professional advantage today? Um, So I love what Molly said. I think confidence for me has always been kind of like something that i like teeter back and forth with. Like some days I feel like I'm the smartest person alive and some days I feel like I know nothing. So it's just the days when you can really amp yourself up are the days that you're going to like do better work and get recognized. So I just feel like being confident is so crucial. Um, but I would say in terms of the advice, um, question, I'd say the one piece of advice that I wish I didn't get, this is kind of flipping this question on its head came from my father who I love dearly and he's a great person and he's great, but he was born in the fifties and he always told me, when you graduate college, you know, I graduated from University of Illinois, which is a great school. He said, you have this college degree under your belt. You need to go out into the work world. You need to not work for free and you need to stay at that company for the rest of your life and get a nice 401k. And that kind of like was embedded in my brain since like eighth grade. So, which is obviously everyone's probably like laughing that's listening to this because it's so not relevant for like the current world that we're in. But I sort of had that in the back of my head in the beginning of my career. So I it was I would take these free internships, but I would ha- I would take them with like an attitude, like I'm better than this, or I don't I shouldn't be doing this. This is not benefiting me. And I wish I didn't have that attitude because I don't think I was absorbing as much as I could have been. Um, and I ended up doing a ton of free internships because I kind of had no choice. But I think it was just like the intentionality that I went into these jobs with. Um, came from more of this like old school mentality that like, you know, he bought a car when he was 16 from working at the corner store or whatever, but like the world was so different when I was starting. And obviously it's even more different now. So basically that's all to say is that, you know, take every opportunity. It's okay to work for free. It's okay to be the bottom of the totem pole. Um, It's all about the experience. And And you might feel like, you know, you're spinning your wheels or you might feel like, oh, why am I doing this fourth internship? But I promise that all of those experiences will ladder up to creating this career that you eventually will love and, you know, that you've crafted based on all these places that you've worked. Um, But yeah, I mean, I just think that it's so important to be a sponge, absorb as much as you can. And throughout all of it, be as confident as you can. Like Jesse, you were saying, you know, sometimes it's hard to like bring that confidence out and it's okay to feel like crap. Like it's okay to like, feel like you're not the most buttoned up person. I always feel like, was I scatterbrained? Was I blabbering? Was I doing this? Like, was I say sound stupid in front of a client and nine times out of 10, I'll get an email after a meeting or after, you know, being in a clubhouse room or whatever, wherever I'm speaking or or presenting and people will be like, you gave me such good advice, or you said this thing that resonated so hard with me. And, you know, and I'll, I'll be like, really? Like, what did I even say? Like, you know, we don't know our worth internally until, you know, someone else maybe comes out and, and reminds us of how important the things that we have to say 
Definitely. And like, you know, if only we stopped like listening to ourselves and judging ourselves and just spoke from the heart, like just spoke from experience, like unfiltered. I feel like that is like, that's the environment that I hope whim cultivates because I just, I have, I've found personally, and I've, I've witnessed with other women that when they are just in an environment where they feel that it's completely like, okay to be unfiltered, you know, completely themselves and just not judge it (laughs) that like the most incredible words of wisdom come out. It's just like, it's real. It's honest. It's you. And like, it is so impactful to people listening. So I love like the combination of what you both said are just going to make like it, it it's, it's huge. It's incredible advice and, um, hard to take sometimes, but like, whatever, like say it, repeat it to yourself, like practice it and it'll get easier every single time. Ladies, I've so enjoyed this conversation. I'm so happy that you both joined. Um, I assume that women, men, whoever listening to this podcast, definitely going to want to get in touch with you, um, to hear more, um, definitely follow us on clubhouse at because we're going to be doing more conversations with these women for sure. Shameless plug. But if they want to reach out to you directly, um, what's the best way to get in touch, Molly, what's the best way for you? Absolutely. Um, so I'm Molly Tellis on all platforms, which makes it easy. So shout out to being able to snag your name on most social platforms. Um, easiest way to get a hold of me is through LinkedIn. Um, I do a lot, like I said, I guess lecture. So I'm always connecting with students and I'm very, very vigilant about responding on LinkedIn. So you can find me on LinkedIn, just at Molly Tellis. Um, and that's probably the quickest way to get, to get a quick response from me. Amazing. LinkedIn. I love it. And Katie, what about you? I'm on LinkedIn too, um, Katie Stoller and then Instagram, Katie Stoller underscore Katie Stoller was taken. Uh, and then Clubhouse is just Katie Stoller. I love it. So we'll link all of that below. Ladies, it's been such a pleasure as always. And um, I just so appreciate you sharing all of this with our audience. So thank you so much for, ju- or for joining us today. Thank you so much, Jesse. Yeah, thank you. This was fantastic. It's always, always fun to have a good chat with, uh, with your girlfriends. Yeah. (laughs) Great. Let's do it again soon. This was awesome. Sounds good. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, we gotta have you back. Check out our website for more ways to get involved, including all the information you need about joining our collective. You can check out all the information at IamWim.com. That's IamWim, double I, dot com. And if you enjoyed this episode, leave us a review, a rating. But the most important thing that we could ask you to do is to share this podcast. See you next week. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week. Tune in next week. I hate to break it to you, but you're in for a big surprise. Five years from now, Jane, who's resigning today, will ring the NASDAQ bell, officially launching her company on the public market. And what you'll soon realize is that Jane stole your most valuable data to start her new company on her way out the door. Learn how Code42 Insider can stop data theft and protect your organization's most valuable assets. Visit Code42.com to learn more. Charles didn't have just any coronary artery disease. He had Charles's coronary artery disease. Michelle didn't have just any heart attack. She had Michelle's heart attack. At VCU Health Poly Heart Center, we know every heart is unique. And as Virginia's only nationally ranked heart program, we'll keep them beating healthy and strong. VCU Health Poly Heart Center. Learn more at vcuhealth.org heart.